Hello lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT In The Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, the third time on the Outsports Podcast Network for today, um, as we are continuing our coverage of WrestleMania week here on the show. Um, of course, we have three other episodes that have gone up, four in total today. Um, you know, my chat with Max Zaleski from Without a Cause Wrestling, all about everything um, from the the week that was at Independent Pro Wrestling, all the deathmatch stuff, all the, the technical masterpiece that we saw there, just everything top to bottom. Um, and then, of course, we have specific events that we're talking about. Uh, we have Poyle Del Mar, the MC of Effie's Big Gay Brunch, on to talk about the Big Gay Brunch on a previous episode. And then, of course, there's the, the big one uh, that we're covering here as well, WWE's WrestleMania 37, both nights of it, night one, being this show here, and I am very happy to have back on the show Darnell Mitchell, a uh, previous guest here, to talk all about the first night of the first WrestleMania, the first WWE event in over a year, with fans in attendance, um, in earnest at least. Uh, so, I don't know, it was a, an amazing night of, of, of some of the highest emotional highs that you can get in, in uh, pro wrestling, especially when you talk about WWE specifically. And I thought Darnell was the perfect person to have on to chat about that stuff, especially considering the significance of the main event with Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks um, making a herstory, as Darnell puts it in, in our chat, in the, in the main event spot there. Um, you know, Darnell is a... Uh, probably one of the largest fans of women, of women's wrestling that I know, um, and really speaks to the moment in in a way that um, few people can. Um, so yeah, it was just a pleasure to run through everything on this show with him. Um, and of course, night two coming up, um, and in the next episode that that's going to be dropping here today, uh, we have Patches Chance coming on to talk all about night two as well. Um, and of course, the WrestleMania week covers doesn't end this week either. Um, next week, we're continuing by uh, we're going to have episodes looking at uh, GCW's For the Culture, the show organized by AJ Gray for Talent of Color, as well as um, Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl shit, um, which includes the Gray Sweatpants Battle Royal. Don't you worry, we're going to get there. Um, you know. <laughs> And then, of course, next week we also have an interview with independent pro wrestler Leo London that's going to go up as well. So we're chock full of hours of content here for you on LGBT in the Ring uh, over uh, the next week or so. Um, so definitely tune in to the rest of the shows that we have dropping on this Thursday and then come back next Thursday to cover uh, the rest of everything from WrestleMania week as well as the interview with Leo London. Now, before we get into... Um, this episode with Darnell, I do want to take a moment to just um, send out condolences to um, Shotzi Blackheart and her family, uh, as well as the the Hardy family, you know, on the, on their losses. And then a another shout, another um, condolences sent out to Darius Lockhart, who you know lost his father as well, um, just the day that I'm recording this intro here. So. Um, it's all tough things, and especially for to Darius, you know, um, I just want to say this uh, real quick. You know, I don't know Darius that well. Um, I, you know, enjoy watching him in the ring, but I really enjoy the message that he sends out. And, you know, he speaks a lot about the, the power to the people, 
and that people are the power and to see the amount of outpouring towards him from the people shows the power that they pull from his message and send back to him in the form of love, care, and admiration. The same can be said about Shotzi Blackheart and Matt and Jeff Hardy as well um, in the pro wrestling world. So um, our hearts are, are with you. And um, yeah, so, so very sorry. Here's my chat with Darnell Mitchell, all about WrestleMania 37, night number one. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and we are continuing our WrestleMania week coverage with the first night of WrestleMania 37. And here to run through this emotional roller coaster of a night um, is the one of the hosts of the Pro Wrestling Mothership, as well as the Queer Nerd Podcast. You know him from Uncanny Attractions and so many other places. Darnell Mitchell, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Hello, thanks for having me. You probably know me from my ridiculous thirst traps online. That so too. That, <laughs> that, could, that could definitely be it. So many milk gifts. <laughs> So many. <laughs> well, thank you for, for taking the time to chat about this uh, amazing night uh, of wrestling here. Because like this, this was, I don't know, for me and for so many other people, I'm sure, you know, I don't want to just throw it on myself here. It was, th- this was a very, very emotional night, a very, very significant night in pro wrestling. You know, I think mostly tied to the main event uh, with Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. But the whole show had like these very, good like peaks of emotional moments that we've seen for from for a number of pro wrestlers here um and before we get to to that event though and and discuss that you know we've had a whole week weeks worth pretty much of uh pro wrestling events that have been outstanding and i'm curious to ask you um outside of wrestlemania uh what uh has stood out to you any particular matches or shows or performances or anything like that so i uh unfortunately have been working non-stop uh so i haven't been able to see as much as i want to see uh but i have been very excited about a lot of the wrestlers who are finally getting their due um i think uh indie wrestling week or mania week whatever you want to call it one of its biggest issues uh is the fact that i don't necessarily think someone needs to wrestle 10 matches in six days like I don't know how that's healthy for the performer and I don't know how that allows us to find new talent but I think a lot of new talent was found uh if you have followed me and my podcast old my older podcast days I the mothership used to be called pro wrestling Iowa so I have a huge connection to Iowa and I love Iowa so Brooke Valentine being one of the people who have made such an impact uh, I believe it's her and Willow Nightingale at Real Hot Girl Shit, Ali's show. Uh, it was v- so good. It was unbelievable. Uh, Brooke Valentine, is, it's definitely her year. Um, I think IWTV, in my opinion, did the best job of showcasing all types of wrestling throughout the entire weekend. Um, mm. I appreciate GCW when they're blocks of wrestling, uh, like, you know, you know, highlighting certain groups. I think it's very smart, but I want to see that kind of more spread out. So IWTV reunion, they had a great Butch versus Gore match with Jared Evans and MV Young. 
uh, Ashton Star, Erica Lee. Uh, I the main event of IWTV reunion. Lee Moriali defending his championship against the Cassandra Cup winner Edith Sorrell uh, was an incredible match. So I highly suggest people to go watch that. Faye Jackson killed the Great Sweatpants Battle Royal. I know, I know how heartbreaking it was for her. She's my friend uh, to to not be able to do it last year, and it was just very much of a pipe dream. So to see it come to fruition, especially as she's leaving the business, is uh, was pretty monumental. And as a person who loves Daniel Garcia, I was here for all of oh it. Oh my God, Daniel Garcia looked, in that match. I I messaged him because he uh, I don't I don't think he'll care if I'm saying this. He's not gonna listen to this. Um, I don't think so. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> him and I I always reference uh, the Natasha Bitterfield song "Unwritten" towards him because I he sent me the video of him doing karaoke on a cruise ship to it mm. and like getting increasing, like increasingly like naked as the song goes on <laughs> like throwing his shirt in the crowd so whenever I think of that song I think of him but whenever I hear him dancing I just kind of go well the rest is still unwritten uh so <laughs> um, but there's there's so many like cool people who like finally they got their due Erica Lee has been killing it like mm. I remember Billy Dixon just saying hey can Erica be on uh cheap plug uncanny attractions Rushers take Manhattan available on IWTV um and I was like oh I've never heard of her and the day I met her I was like whoa who are you you are incredible and now she's just like everywhere um there, there, it was just, it was very exciting. The, the whole week was very exciting because I got to see a lot of my friends who, who don't necessarily get the time and attention that they deserve, uh, get some time and attention. And my husband, Everett Connors, I love you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that's what I enjoyed a lot about this week as well, is that like you had such a diverse presentation across all the different shows that, that you saw. Like, you know, I just... Uh, we just published a, a list of the top 25 like LGBTQ matches of the week for for Mania Week on on Outsports, and just the fact that that you had that many matches that involved LGBTQ talent, um, and add that to like you know events like for the culture and the uh, proliferation of talent of color and and women on these shows as well. Like it's just nearly every event had that element on it. I would almost like. And I would love it for it to be every event, but the fact that it's nearly every event this year, like it's a drastic change and, and vast improvement from what we've seen in past Mania weeks. So yeah. in, that, in that way, it's, it was a real eye-opener for a lot of people, I think. I, I agree. It's, it's, the, more we, the more this becomes the norm, the better. Uh, I do need Brett, honey. I'm gay, I'm black, and I'm old. I cannot be staying up till midnight to watch for the culture. I just can't. Yeah. Like I got I got work on a Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Work with me. Um, I like to see a lot of these uh, shows that are definitely the shows that like people want to see uh, kind of be spread out in like more primetime spots, I think. Um, because I, like no offense to anybody else, but absolute offense to cis people, straight cis people. Uh, but uh, the only matches people are talking about from the entire weekend are like the matches involving people of color, women, and queer people, because it's just 
we're not given the ball very often and we were given it, we, we excel. So like, let's make this the norm by giving us more opportunities uh, than, you know, having these very specific spots spread out, spread across the week. I think we can do a lot better with that. Yeah, for, for sure. And I will say coming out of the week, I love like seeing how many people like tuned into all these shows, like throwing up their like top three matches of the week or whatever. And I love seeing the Bianca and Sasha main event that we're going to talk about a little bit later, right next to Billy and AJ's match at the Big Gay Brunch. Like it was just like, I I don't know. It was just so, so good. So good. <laughs> I I actually did a, a tweet about that. A uh particular person doesn't matter who they are uh, said that the most monumental thing was something involving moxley and nick gage no no shade no tea to moxley and nick gage good for you like proud of you um but of a, on a weekend where so much black talent like persevered and like showcased themselves i don't think uh it just seemed very unusual me to to downplay that like there was no more monumental thing that happened this weekend besides Bianca and Sasha Banks headlining the biggest company in the world in the main event. And there was no bigger thing in the indies to me, for me, uh, than seeing AJ Gray and Billy Dixon, a queer man, wrestling for a show that was promoted by a queer man. And the main event in Deathmatch, with Deathmatch, let's be honest, doesn't really have a lot of Black people in it, definitely doesn't have any queer people in it. Um, that what that's monumentous that's history that's important uh, a lot of the other stuff like it's great but it's not important like those particular situations yeah mox engaged like standing down that's a moment for sure but billy and aj bianca and sasha those are statements you know those are statements yeah. I am never going to watch that Mox and Gage match. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have never seen a Nick Gage match. I'm sure I've heard he's a very lovely person. It ain't for me. Uh, like, I, two 40-year-old white men fighting to, to a deaf. I can watch that any day. Uh, <laughs> not for me whatsoever. Oh, well, with, with, uh, with that said... Let's move into uh, WrestleMania 37 night one, um, a night that, like we said, had a lot of emotional moments, a lot of highs. Um, real quick, how did you think night one compared to, to night two for you personally? Uh, I've seen night one multiple times. I've seen night two once. I think that sums it up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Of course, uh, night number one, we open up with our host, Titus O'Neill and Hulk Hogan. I think it's pretty clear that people know the stance of this show on Hulk Hogan. Uh, get fucked. Uh, get out of here. Um, we don't need that anymore in our wrestling. And we'll just leave it there unless you have anything else to say. Because like that, I just, I just like to take the opportunity to tell Hulk Hogan to get fucked anytime I can. I do very much so enjoy, though, like, I mean, people are racist. It's fine. Like, he's, it, it, it's not fine. But, you know, like, when it happened, I wasn't, like, shocked or anything. I was like, oh, my God, Hulk Hogan, racist? Never. But, like, we're now getting to the point in wrestling where when I started watching wrestling, that was, like, the start of NWO because it was 1996. So I never saw that other Hulk Hogan stuff. Mm. So it doesn't it doesn't make a difference to me that he was in movies and that he powered, you know, he did a, what is it, body slam to Andre the Giant. None of that matters to me. I only saw this one snippet of it 
And then I know the Hulk Hogan from 2012. So it's very easy for me to disassociate um, and just kind of like put him out of my mind. And I love that we're now getting to the point where a lot of these fans weren't around when he was a big thing. So to them, they don't care. They just know him as the racist guy who keeps working for WWE. So the fact that he's now finally getting booed and people are actually like, saying stuff to WWE it's like very um it's very cool and I and I think they're actually going to get the hint sooner than later that he actually doesn't add anything to the product like he's not appealing to any more demographics because now people are just like oh yeah you're just that old racist guy which that's what he is yep pretty much (laughs) (laughs) I do I do like um watching that intro back and like just seeing how much crowd sweetening they put over it to try and cover up the amount of booze that he got like that's a very very telling moment um and it was interesting compared to night two where that wasn't necessarily as present and you could hear the booze more um so they were like fuck it yeah (laughs) let it happen whatever (laughs) well that uh leads us into the opening matchup uh Drew McIntyre challenging Bobby Lashley, the almighty for the WWE championship. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I think it was a a good match to kind of be the first one that you bring back in front of fans in the way that it was, Um, you know, sometimes two kind of powerhouse guys can get a little like slow and and like a little dragging here and there in, in a WWE style match, but this one did not, feel 18 minutes long honestly for me um and i really like the fact that they gave lashley the win in this match because i feel i feel it would have been a disservice to bobby lashley to have him be a one-month champion in that way how what were your uh feelings uh watching lashley and mcintyre uh i really like two big meaty men slapping meat uh (laughs) it was great (laughs) oh and so uh correct me if i'm I, i might be wrong but he's the first black champion to walk into wrestlemania as champion and walk out as champion i believe uh i may be wrong but i know i know bobby he made some history uh he made so he he did some sort of record like walking out as champion um i wasn't sure if they were going to give him the win but um i think it's the right choice and i think it shows that they see they actually do see something in in bobby and uh, I think that Drew has done a really good job. He kind of is a unsung hero for the pandemic era. Uh, he did a really, really good job carrying what he could. Now, was he as prominent as the women who absolutely killed that era? No, but I think he did what was asked of him. People forgot that Braun Strowman was champion during the pandemic era. Like, I completely forgot. But people remember Drew McIntyre. He's done a really good job of um, being a, a kind of full throttle in his stories and, and fleshing out his character. Because, yes, you're a very attractive, like, Scottish man. But what else you got? And him allowing his personality to sort of shine through has been great. And I think that helped with the storytelling of the match itself. I don't think you... The, the only other match I would have started to show it would have been Cesaro and Seth Rollins. But I think this was the right choice. And giving Drew this sort of kind of like, here you go, congratulations. You won finally your belt, uh, the big one in the main event of WrestleMania last year with no one there. So you get to be the first one to like feel that fire. Uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a cool thing to do. 
And I thought the match was super fun. Yeah, same here. Like, I, I really enjoyed the match. Uh, I think it definitely felt like a reward for, for Drew and, and Bobby as well. Uh, I'm with you in that I, Drew is one of the, the MVPs, quote-unquote, of that pandemic era. I, I would say, like, <laughs> Drew, Roman, Bailey, and the Hurt Business, if I had to throw names out there that I think fit that mold. And it's fitting that all four of those entities kind of had some prominence on uh, these two nights of, of uh, action, even if Bailey got done dirty um, a little bit, but she still know. got that check though. <laughs> of course. And that that's what matters at the get end of the pay, day, right? <laughs> get paid girl, get paid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the match. I'm glad that I'm, I'm curious to see what happens now. Um, the direction they're going with, with uh, Bobby's championship run. I, they've, for all the praise that I put on the, on the hurt business just now, like I do not know what they are trying to do with it currently, but you know, no. that was, well, I don't necessarily want to talk about the weekly TV right now. We're just talking about the night that it was, because uh, it's good to be selective with uh, the memory sometimes. Um, but yeah, like all around awesome match, really enjoyed it. Um, and that leads us into our uh, women's match, our first women's match of the night. Um, the tag team turmoil match with a shot at the women's tag team championship on the line. We had um, Naomi and Lana, Billy Kay and uh, Carmella, the Riot Squad, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Tamina and Natalia um, going up uh, against one another. And then, of course, can't forget Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, um, which I, I feel bad pointing out the slip because so many other people have, but I think that, you know, where I like that Mandy's leaned into it somewhat in a way online, you know, basically, yeah, well, whatever, what are you going to do? I mean, the, we had the, the show itself was delayed for 40 minutes because of like thunderstorms there. So it made sense. Like the ramp's going to be wet, which sucks, but I don't know. It was that aside. It was a very I like fun match. I like when people can make fun of themselves. Yes. Like, you're already wrestling in underwear, people. Like, <laughs> you know, you know uh, let's let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, I think it was really fun. You know, I, um, I get very emotional when I watch women matches. I remember WrestleMania. What is it? Thirty-two. I want to say it was Dallas. Um, I was at that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was at that WrestleMania. I used to go to WrestleMania every year, and like that woman's match of Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky, I like cried when I saw the entrances because I'd never seen the woman get like pyro. I think that's how Trish get pyro once, but like the women don't get pyro. But you telling me they all got pyro and they got like a special guest singer too? Like what's happening? So I always get very, very excited when I see um, anything with multiple women that don't involve Santina on a WrestleMania show. So, uh, it was, I don't understand some of the booking decisions in the match. I, I don't think I would have Lana and Naomi, who's been viral twice in the past year, go out first. And I probably would have ended it with that kind of uh, team bad versus Tamina and Natalia moment. Um, it was fine. Uh, I think they all did the job. I think the gear was amazing. Everyone looked like a tag team. Um but yeah, I thought, I thought there was some clunkiness to it, but like, I, I'm I'm also pretty lenient when it comes to like matches in general. Like, 
you're, you're out there doing it. Like not everything's going to work perfectly. Exactly. And like, I think like pro wrestling, there's always like some element of clunkiness to something. Never, nothing's ever like a hundred percent smooth all the time, you know? And like, I, I don't really, it doesn't really bother me at all, especially considering that like the women in this match, like put in the work, like they were like working their tails off with the, the amount of time that they got um, and, and really trying to put something out there. And then you had like some really good moments in there. Like I'm with you. I think Lana and Naomi being the first team out was a, a huge mistake personally. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I, there's something about Billy Kay. Every time I see her, like she, especially over the past like year, like, of course, like the iconic stuff was, is great and entertaining, but like her, just walking around with her headshot and resume and just i don't know was just so was the iconic stuff like that entertaining might i remind you that theme song that incredible theme song was billy case mm. not peyton royce's uh peyton royce's promo skills were never the best billy k was always the funniest she was always the best seller like that's a shimmer girl like she it's significantly better in the ring than people give her credit for. I'm not trying to shade Peyton Royce whilst I shade Peyton Royce, but Billy Kay was the clear star, even though I think people thought Peyton was. Um, but this is also WWE, and I mean that in the way of, like, your wrestling can only take you so far. I think Peyton, uh, okay, to, I think Peyton probably is a more solid wrestler than Billy Kay is, but Billy's got that personality to be able to get the fans invested. And I've been so impressed with her. And I will say for the third time now, I've tweeted it twice and I'll say it in this podcast, she should absolutely win Money in the Bank. Uh, I think that she, imagining Billy Kay walking around with a briefcase and a resume, <laughs> I like, is the best thing in the world. I... She, I'm so glad that she's gotten now her second media match. I'm so, I'm so happy for her. Um, she really is the star. Tamina's also the star. And I know we can't talk about night two, but like Tamina's the star for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but fuck, I love Billy Kay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and to speak about Tamina for a second, like Natalia and Tamina win this match. They move into night two to face Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And like between the two nights, between the two matches, like this really felt like uh, Tamina's moment that she has been long overdue for. Um, like the fact that you had night two, the, the, you got the crowd chanting her name um, at, at a WrestleMania, whereas like I feel like Tamina has like not because of her any merit or, or her skill level or anything, but she's never like sniffed that area of like fan response in, in a way nope. or at least uh, from like the like the larger majority audience but i don't know like this really felt like a, a breakout moment for tamina um between the two nights and I, I i love seeing it it's a complicated legacy you know with her father and everything but at the same time like tamina is not her father tamina is her own person and she deserves the moment that she got and even thinking about that like think it sounds so ridiculous but this is wwe we're talking about where most women left at the age of like 30. tamina is 40 with children Shayna is almost 40. she's like 39 38. natalia is almost 40. so like seeing these women wrestle uh, and and naya's in her 30s like that's not common 
for WWE. So um, it, it, it was very kind of emotional to kind of see like, oh, here are some, here's a mother in the ring that is still in WWE, um, which is more of a testament to how like cruel they were uh, towards their women. But like, it, it, there was a lot of really, really good, feel good moments in this match where the clunkiness like didn't matter at the end because you, you definitely got rewarded with a lot of character development and a lot of like happiness for these genuine people, which is, look, that's all I want in my wrestling. <laughs> no, for sure. And and real quick, before we move on to the next match, I just have to call out how awesome uh, the Riot Squad's gear was. Uh, the, the Joker, Harley Quinn look, even though that is an extremely unhealthy relationship, um, the looks were good. <laughs> and, and, I, and one day, I just, I just want them to win the belts. They're, yes. They've been like a true team for years. Let's let uh, Heidi Lovelace <laughs> and <laughs> Liv Morgan get the belt. They deserve it. I'm ready for it. Same here. I honestly thought this was going to be their night until everything with Tamina and Natalia. Like, it just, I don't know. It, it felt that way, um, like, midway through the match. But regardless, we, uh, we had our winners, our challengers for night two coming out of that. And then coming up next, uh, the match that you uh, said could have opened the show as well. Cesaro, Seth Rollins. Cesaro getting his first singles match at WrestleMania in his 10 years with the company. Um, There's some stats that still kind of like boggle my mind. And this was probably the, the biggest one um, outside of the fact that we've never had two black women main event um, for for this show because like I do not understand how you have Cesaro never had five. two black people in general. That, also. Yes, yes, yes. Very true. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just the fact that you had Cesaro under contract for ten years and you've never put him in a singles match at WrestleMania, I do not understand how that oversight happens at all. Cesaro. Okay, so I love Cesaro. I loved him on the Indies as Claudio. I. I think he's, in my opinion, my top five favorite wrestler currently wrestling. I think that man can do anything you want him to do. He's also, look at him, but <laughs> like he's talented. He's smart. He's everything that they see in the Miz as well. And I mean that as an ambassador, because he's a perfect global ambassador by speaking six different languages. Um, always looks the part. Now, when it comes to wrestling and longevity, especially in WWE, I think there are always a couple of different ways to look at it because you don't know what someone's thought process is about how they want to work in WWE. Uh, I've known people who worked there for a long time and they were like, oh yeah, the catering is great. And like, I'm getting paid a very good salary and I get... Zack Ryder has a huge mansion and that man wrestled like 10 times in the past six years. Like, I, I think so. I, I'm just totally projecting here. But in my head, I think Cesaro's like, look, I've got a job. I believe he's still with Sarah Amato. Um, um, he just, he's getting paid really, really well. He's, I think he has a, like a coffee shop that he's opened up now because he loves coffee he's had to, he's been able to do a lot of these things that he really really enjoys but at the same time you can also just tell that he just really wants to fucking wrestle um he's happy with the other stuff but like he really wants to wrestle his emotion after winning the match is like what this is all about yeah 
like, yes, he's, he's had fun. He's had some feuds. He's won some belts. He's really actually revolutionized tag team wrestling, I think, in the past 15 years for WWE. But, like, he really is the best in the world. He should be main eventing, and he should be having single matches. And you can see that still emotion that he has for wrestling. And it was really beautiful to see. That was really long-winded because I can talk about Cesaro forever. So I apologize for that. No apologies needed. Like, Because honestly, like those are a lot of the same feelings that I have around watching this match and around Cesaro in general. Like He has definitely built a life for himself outside of wrestling that was afforded to him through being a, such a great wrestler and landing with this company for as long as he has. But at the end of the day, like there's still, I think for like, like so many other people in this industry, like there's still this underlying love for pro wrestling that keeps you in the ring and keeps you striving for more. And because of that, that's where you have these emotional, um, like these emotional moments, these, these moments where you're able to let your, your guard down and really feel a moment and, getting that pinfall win over Seth Rollins and immediately breaking down in the way that he did is like that. You don't, you get more of those real moments, I think in today's era of pro wrestling, but thankfully. yes, very thankfully, but it's still, it still has an impact though. It still hits you every time you see it, I think. Um, and outside of the main event, like this was probably the most like cathartic thing that I saw on the show personally. It was just, it was just beautiful. I agree. I again, I love Cesaro, and I, I just want him to, to. I just want him to be happy with his, you know, his cafe, uh, <laughs> and, and, and be happy playing up, up, down, down, and just be happy in the ring. And um, what I did not appreciate uh, the commentary and the kind of story and narrative that the fans haven't been around him. Uh, mm. We had Cesaro sections for quite some time. Yeah, uh, the fans have slowly. He's one of those people that got over just because of the wrestling. So it was just like, people were just like, oh, this guy's cool. And then once he started doing what he could really do, which is like, I mean, this man can do top rope stuff. He can do springboard stuff. Like, and he's legitimately probably the most powerful person, strongest person that they have. Like once they started letting him do that, like he just got over organically and they keep, changing his gimmick that man has had more music changes than i don't know what more music changes than more voice changed her wig it's like ridiculous but the fans still support him um so i i don't like that narrative that we never that we like just started doing it because we've been doing it for quite some time also shout out to Seth Rollins suits they're actually really good if anyone tells you any different tell them they don't do it for a living and i do <laughs> <laughs> and he looks good. I, I was thinking, I was contemplating asking you about the suit game there, but, but yeah, great. I'm with you. I'm with you there. And also, like Seth Rollins was a very integral part of this match too. Like Seth Rollins is an outstanding in-ring performer. Um, he also feels really selfless. Yeah, I feel like he gives a lot in a lot of his uh, uh, feuds, and like happy to put people over and happy to do the thing. He's a very he's a good company man. Like, I'm sure they love him, um, but like he. I always feel like he like wants to do the right thing and help other people out because he knows of the position that he is in in the company, uh, which is uh, which is really always really exciting to see. Yeah, and if, just for like a quick move call out here, I do like the callback to the Rollins Orton match from thirty one 
with the uh, springing Rollins in the air and hitting that European uppercut out of that. Like so many, there were so many like good, just like pure like wrestling moments here. The UFO, the swing, like UFO. Was, yeah. I, I've never seen Cesaro have more fun in a ring than whenever he's doing that move. Honestly, you can see it on his face. <laughs> I just, and like one of the telling things, uh, I don't think any match went over 20 minutes tonight. And like, like more of that in wrestling. This match was like eleven thirty or something like that, and it felt longer, but in a good way. I felt like I got the beginning, middle, and end, uh, and they worked their ass off for that eleven minutes. And like, I didn't feel like I was cheated out of time. Um, I didn't feel like I got too much time. Um, that shows to the fact. I mean, both of these guys are at this point twenty-year vets almost. Yeah. Like, they they know how to construct the story, and this is a perfect showcase of constructing a story in the ring in 12 minutes or less you can do it y'all i know you can definitely uh, and Kitty Omega, next... i'm talking to you uh <laughs> <laughs> eight hours later like damn man <laughs> 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 i got it <laughs> all right yens thank you so much for tuning into lgbt in the ring uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Well, speaking of constructing a story within time constraints, uh, let's talk about this tag team title match. New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos. This was a completely different kind of story in Ooh. just under 10 minutes that I think honestly made a guy in one night uh, in many, many ways. Omos, I think, has a, has a section now in the same way that Cesaro did. And, and it's only going to continue growing. Um I don't know. I, I really liked how they, it was kind of like a little bit 
backwards in a way, but it worked in that you're you're having the heel team work towards the hot tag the entire time. Yeah, like it was just a fun little like turning some the the regular formula on its head that worked well because the person they were trying to tag in was a seven foot monster uh, and and almost who oh my cat just jumped in front of the screen. Oh hi. <laughs> oh. He does not like y'all can't held. see this cuteness. You don't you can't see the cuteness, but there is there's a pretty kitty. Oh there you go, Max. Down we go. Okay. <laughs> but no, like like you had like this seven foot um like behemoth in almost that came in and just brought destruction as soon as he entered the ring. And I I love Kofi and, and Xavier as self being so selfless and selling their ass off for him. Um, yeah, it was just such a it was just such a fun little like contained sort of thing. It really was. And uh, AJ was bumping his ass off, too. And mm. I, you know, my my negative about it, but it's just sort of a negative uh, regarding this particular character and his motivations, uh, which would be Kofi. Um, I, I, I do still feel some type of way after that monumentous win two years ago that like he hasn't sniffed that like championship again and like um not i don't want to say he's been downgraded to tag team championships because that's not what's happening at all but like um it is very weird to see this man in these prominent feuds and then now just putting everybody over um so that was a, a bit frustrating uh put some respect on his name he's a wwe champion um but i i think that they see again a lot of money in in him and I hoped, I hope that they really, really book him the way, if you're going to do it, do it. Now, I don't particularly care for Braun Strowman, but like he was over, he should have won the belt forever ago. Like he's big, he's huge. Nobody should be beating him. <laughs> like it should take a lot <laughs> to beat him. Yeah. And the same way with Mark Henry and his Hall of, um, Hall of Pain, I remember just thinking like, yeah, of course this guy should be, the champion and he should be the champion for like a year look at him like why would why would someone beat him big show got beat by ray mysterio way too many times like it's look at this man he's legitimately seven feet like if you're gonna do this you need to do it and you need to give him time and you need to let, let him have that uh tag team championship with aj for as long as humanly possible yeah especially considering that like in that tag team division like you know, they like to play hot potato sometimes with the, with the with the titles there. The tag team division in in, in WWE can be very kind of um, prominent at one point and then takes a, a backseat for an extended amount of time. And yeah. I think that AJ and, and Omos um, are great fits to carry those belts for a while and really, you know, they could really build that division back up as you're putting more steam behind Omos before eventually he challenges for the the big belt because like yep. that's that is what they're setting him up for honestly like why else yeah. you pair him with aj like one of the better like workers of like this era or really many eras you know he's all he has to do right now is just be a sponge and sort of like listen to what everyone's giving him and listen to all the advice and uh you know uh, we we forget 
I know it's it's I it's popular to say, oh, the PC, everyone wrestles the same. Not a single person wrestles the same. Uh, and they all have incredible talent around them, um, helping them sort of figure this out. I forget who the agent was for this match because someone like released the the sheet of the agent. But like even just think about it, TJ, like. Uh, you know, helping the women out. Michael Hayes, say what you want about him. Um, he probably deserves it. But like, he's still a, a, a mastermind when it comes to like producing like matches and Adam Pierce and just sort of like, there, there's so much for this man to learn and uh, the sky's the limit. Definitely. No, and then of course they walk out of here with the belts and we'll see what happens going forward with them. Um, and speaking of Braun Strowman, that's our next matchup. Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon in a steel cage match, which basically was made a steel cage match just so we could get our annual Shane McMahon just throwing his body to the wind that we get every year at WrestleMania now. Um, the I'm just going to be frank. The build of this match was terrible. It was just like just so bad. Um, I, I don't like how WWE tries to beat a word into your mind i've probably heard the word stupid on wwe programming like far 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 too many times to the point where like i just wanted this to go away um but the match itself like it had a couple of fun moments in there um there is still something to be said about watching shane mcmahon kind of be the the daredevil that he really really wants to be um at times and, you know, I saw some people being very kind of dismissive about, you know, Braun Strowman, a like a like mountain of a man talking about like this is for like this moment is for everybody who was bullied or called stupid and being like, well, you're like you're huge. Why would like why would anybody like listen to you about being bullied? I'm like everyone and anyone. Everyone's bullied. Exactly. Like, it's the that, same thing as the uh, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax storyline. Like. Just because she's bigger doesn't mean that she doesn't get bullied. Now, Braun, <laughs> I, go ahead and make America great again and, like, shut the fuck up. Like, I have no sympathy or empathy or whatever for some, for some Trumper who kills animals, like, for sport and what his feelings are. I want to trip you over and hope you bust your knee. Uh, like <laughs> I do not care. So that's like the thing that always like frustrates me. It's like some of these storylines are like, yeah, this is a, this is a smart storyline to do for it. It's the worst person to do it for. Yeah, the worst person to do it for. Didn't you tweet about like indie wrestlers and not making any money, baby? You got your job because you were seven feet. That's called affirmative action. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> you didn't work for anything. Yeah, um, you just you just eat a lot of steak. Like, good for you. Um, but like, yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't get behind any of the story on it just because who who's involved in it. I like Shane. I don't have any issue with Shane. I know for Jackson, that's her baby daddy. But like, I I guess the thing about Shane that always confuses me is that one of my favorite matches is him and Angle at King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. love that match beautiful it's brutal and i don't really like a lot of brutal stuff but like it's brutal but i kind of feel like shane has been chasing for the respect and honor for the wrestlers for the past 25 years by like 
legitimately trying to kill himself. And I just want to like shake him and be like, baby, you're a millionaire. What <laughs> like, <laughs> do you care? I couldn't, I, I couldn't care less about like what a, a wrestler's opinion of, of me is now. And I'm broke. I don't, I'm not the son of the owner of the, like, girl, they'll be all right. Like, stop killing yourself. You got three kids. Like, chill out. It's okay. You don't need to do it every single, you don't need to pull a Stephanie and just take a bump every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness gracious. Like, I I don't know. It's crazy. Um, I can't remember a single thing from this match, honestly. Yeah. And like, I was so taken out of it. (laughs) The match itself is not very memorable outside of like Shane, you know, doing his fall off the top of the cage. But like, I don't know, like it was it it came off better than I was expecting considering the build. But at the same time, it was probably the most like throwaway match on the show, to be fair. For sure. It absolutely was. Yeah. Um, And with that being said, we will move on from it because like that, I don't know what else to say about that match because the next match, there is plenty to say about this bad bunny, Damian priest against the Miz and Morrison bad bunny. Look for the longest time. Like I have held up D'Angelo Williams in, in impact as probably the best, like non wrestler wrestling match performance. Bad bunny uh, has a shot to the top of these charts as well. Um, because this was a magnificent performance from him. Um, and, you know, kudos to the Miz and Morrison as well for for working so well with him and, and taking care of him and helping to, like, make make this moment that much better. Like, much like the Braun-Shane um, feud heading into this, the buildup, like, I, I will be perfectly fine if I never hear hey, hey, hop, hop ever again in my life. <laughs> um, I'm just done with it. Um, and I really, I, I hate how literal WWE take things sometimes to have like a ring full of literal bunnies in the ring for, for a bad bunny um, match. But at the same time, this was, I think, much better than anybody expected it to be. Just because I feel like there's always like lowered expectations with any celebrity involvement in a match. And in this way, it really fed into what we got because it just superseded everything that I think any expectation. Yeah, I, you know, Bad Bunny has been such a conversation of contention for a lot of, uh, um, what phrase do I want to use? Uh, I I, yeah, I, I want to like, I, I, I mean like, and I mean this, no, I mean this in an awful way actually, but like uh, crazy wrestling fans, but I don't mean necessarily crazy wrestling man, fans. I mean, people who only watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like um, there is, I'm like trying to like, oh, there it goes. Uh, there's a whole world outside of wrestling um it's the same conversation as the peacock why would i want to watch peacock you don't like the office <laughs> like you don't watch psych honey what like it's it's literally netflix with wrestling on it what is the issue here but bad buddy like you know there it was very hard because it was really hard to sit there and listen to a lot of people talk about who 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 and no offense they happen to typically be white men um, and they forget the huge demographic of black and brown people who watch wrestling. I live in New York City. 
I know Bad Bunny songs because I speak Spanish. Like, because there's not a person that lives in New York City that doesn't know a little bit of Spanish. Like, my friends are brown. My friends are Latina. We like watch the videos while we're like drinking and having fun. We do it in karaoke. Like, he is one of the most popular artists like of our moment right now. So the who just makes you look like a dumbass because you haven't like gotten out of that rock that you're on there. Like stain break the cycle was 20 years ago. It's okay. <laughs> like let's, I love the album too. But like, let's, let's diversify like what we're listening to. And it was very, it was really hard because it was very dismissive towards like Puerto Rican fans. Uh, when we least, uh, let's we forget that SmackDown was one of the highest rated shows specifically because of their huge Latino demographic, because of Eddie Guerrero, because of um, Rey Mysterio. It's why they focus so hard on Vicky Guerrero. It's why they focus so hard on Alberto de Rio, because Black and Brown and Latinx people watch wrestling a lot. Um, he was the, Bad Bunny was the uh, top four spots in merch sales, totaling over half a million. Um, Bad Bunny, I my friends who have never watched wrestling watched the Royal Rumble with me mm. because I told them Bad Bunny was on the show and they watched the entire thing. Um, their favorite things was Bad Bunny, Rhea Ripley, and Bianca Belair. Uh, like good taste it should be. Yes. <laughs> um, and Edge, because they were like, oh, I remember that guy. Um, but uh yeah, I think that, you know, this man has been watching wrestling since he was a little kid. And like, they're, those are the best type of people to be in this situation. Uh, I think Maria Menounos doesn't get enough credit for like, that girl can do the whole hard times promo by heart because mm. she loves wrestling. She did great at WrestleMania. Stephen Amell did great in wrestling. And so for me, it was like, oh, Bad Bunny's going to kill this because why wouldn't he? Yeah. He loves wrestling and he respects it. Uh, I was, I was in awe. And one of the best things about celebrity matches is that like, you don't know what's going to happen. There is no sort of like preset, like this is how this match is going to go. You literally don't know because you've never seen it before. So it leaves you with the suspense that you very rarely get in wrestling. In that same way, you don't really have a set move set either. So you are like completely thrown off whenever Bad Bunny hits a Canadian destroyer. Out of nowhere. Bunny destroyer. Uh, bunny destroyer. God, bunny destroyer. You know what? I'm gonna go with the with uh the Puerto Rican destroyer as our as a big okay. put it. Like I'll yeah. take that. <laughs> so, but yeah, like it's just I. It makes total sense in the, in that you when you know that Bad Bunny's been a fan of this, and especially like knowing the the long illustrious history of pro wrestling in Puerto Rico as well. Like it makes t- complete sense why he would um be so in tune with this. And also, I do like like. The even though you didn't really get a ton of uh, Bad Bunny's um, kind of a, a trademark expression in a way, I do like how having Bad Bunny on the show was kind of like a subterfuge, kind of subtle way of getting in another person who is like fuck gender onto the show as well. Because yeah. I feel like like Bad Bunny, like that is a message that he promotes a lot, and I love the fact that you have somebody out there on this show that can like have that message brought out once you do like the research like oh bad bunny's here you go back and like oh and then you have like the images of him doing drag and him talking about how like gender conformity is so like like not really present in his mind you know which is rare rare for a reggaeton rapper very rare for a puerto rican star like um rare for 
assumingly a, a cis man, like there's a lot of um, he man, people are just so uncultured. He like the, the, I didn't even know a lot of Bad Bunny songs until like recently, but I knew who he was because of how vocal he was with stuff like this. Because I used to see viral stuff like years ago all the time, and I'd be like, "Who is this man? He's gorgeous," <laughs> but like he's he's on Jimmy Fallon wearing a like shirt talking about trans culture. Like, who is this person? Like, um, I don't know. It was like the the whole lead up, the, the beautiful lead up. I thought they did a really really good job of showcasing Bad Bunny throughout the entire time since Roy Romo. Um, but like this is this is one of the times where I'm sort of like this is why sometimes you don't deserve nice things uh, because <laughs> here's a person who put time and effort and money and like brought like got media attention for what he was doing um, at, for wrestling and uh, the only thing we could say is who the entire time and it's just kind of like crappy. Their celebrities are going to be a part of wrestling because they should be because wrestling should be mainstream like like anything else like every other aspect of, of entertainment has celebrities involved in it why wouldn't wrestling like we we comment and we talk about how like influential all these people were in the 80s one person we never talk about is cindy Lauper. that mm. girl was on on tv constantly um like that girl was doing everything that she could do like to support uh independent wrestling i mean sort <laughs> that's a lie <laughs> to support uh professional wrestling so like i don't know entertainment and wrestling is intertwined it will always be and it should be not uh, bunny rocks yes completely agree love it loved every minute of this and real quick before we move off like shout out damien priest like didn't like this was a, a great like first outing at WrestleMania for him, and I'm sure it'll be one of uh, many to come uh, as he continues his uh, path on the main roster now. Um, love Damien Priest. Love him. Love Damien Priest. Yeah. Uh, that, of course, brings us to the main event. Bianca <laughs> Belair challenging Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship in a main event that of historic proportions here. Like you said earlier, like not only was this the first time you had two black women in the main event of WrestleMania, it's the first time you had two black people in a one-on-one -on -one contest in the main event of WrestleMania. I'm just going to turn it over to you. Like, give me your thoughts watching this match. I was really emotional. Um, again, you know, women's wrestling means so much to me. Uh, and black wrestling means, uh, having seen black people mean so much to me. Um, there was a lot of moments that were happening uh, just when they first came out uh, that kind of resonated with me, uh, really impactful. I just kind of thought about women like Jacqueline and Jazz and Crystal and Alicia Fox and, uh, you know, Charmel, like all of these women who probably would have never thought that this would have been feasible. You know, uh, Jackie, for example, wrestled her butt off in the 80s and in the South. And Lord knows the things she heard. Mm. Um, you know, she probably didn't hear as much as you would think, because like, look at her. She'd beat your ass. <laughs> like, but, <For> sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she heard. I know she heard some stuff. And, um, you know, as a fan of women's wrestling, it was just kind of crazy. The idea that like now in the past three years, we've had two uh, women main events uh, for WrestleMania, something that just 
would have never been the case. Um, Bianca is also, they're both a testament to perseverance, but they're also still also both a testament to the PC. And honestly, the work of Sarah Amato, who I think is one of the best wrestlers of all time, if you don't know, that's Sarah Murray, you know, like her work with Sasha Banks and, and Bianca's work with everyone from Norman, Sa- uh, Norman Smiley to Sarah to, I always forget his real name, Prince Albert, but whatever his real oh, name Oh, Matt is. Bloom. Thank you. Yeah. I, I thought it was Matt. Um, to, <laughs> to Matt, it's just kind of like showcases that they can create stars um, if they really, really want to, because she is a star that has been created in the past five years. Um, one of the biggest emotional things of them coming out is also the connection to their gear. Yes. Bianca's gear uh, had elements of Randy Savage with uh, the fringe coming down, but also elements of Jacqueline. One of my favorite Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline used to always wear uh, a two-piece outfit. She had like these these great like red leather tops with black leather pants. I'm telling you, if there's an outfit, I know it. Um, <laughs> but uh, even in the, the new 2K games, Jacqueline has her purple outfit, which is just a little like uh, top and little shorts. She has it in purple. She has it in red. She has a pink <laughs> as well. <laughs> but like that purple is iconic for like fans. And so seeing Bianca wear that, Bianca does her own clothing. She designs her own stuff and you can just see that inspiration while uh, Sasha, who we know was like the queen of gear, her hair resembling Naomi, the same uh, uh, sort of setup that Naomi's um, gear is and inspiration from Alicia Fox. So we all know that those ladies view as a legend because she is one. There was just so much little things going into the first five minutes of it that like you already knew you were about to watch something special. Um, Michael Cole said two very great things as Sasha was coming to the ramp and as they were in the ring. As JBL, yes, it is Black history. Uh, and JBL, um, JBL is fucking JBL. Yeah. Um, but Michael Cole was very clear to also state it's Black history, but it's also two Black women doing this. Um, which I would have thought we would have had two black men in this situation before two black women, uh, 100%. Um, I also think it was really important what Michael said that he said, Sasha will go down as one of the greatest, period. Hmm. That greatest woman, that greatest black wrestler, greatest ever. Uh, She is one of those rare talents that like, while not everything might be executed perfectly, knows uh, how to do and construct a big match and knows how to make sure she looks good and her opponent looks good. And I can't think of many wrestlers. Like, honestly, right now, her, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, and Roman are like the only ones that consistently make sure that they can control the match, control the crowd, and give you big match moments every single time. And that's so hard to do. And Sasha Banks, I love Trish, and I know how we, we love Trish. Trish honestly wasn't that good of a wrestler. She would like get, she would get, she was very good at selling. She was very good at characters. She was very good at all the other stuff. Uh, she was just really good at getting the shit beat out of her. But like Sasha has everything that Trish has and more. 
She has the best match in the card every fucking time because she's the fucking boss. <laughs> and it's seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I completely agree with you. And another thing that I, would, I, I always love to point out with Sasha is that in these big match moments, she's not afraid to try new things. She's nope. not afraid to like take risks here and there. And like, even if it doesn't, you know, get fully executed, because I mean, yes, there, like you said, there's clunkiness in pro wrestling. Being willing to take those chances, though, is, is, um, is a, a, a fearlessness that um, isn't always present in pro wrestling. It's very yeah. easy to kind of get to just like get into the, the rhythm of something and just go with that rhythm. Um, and you saw that in this match as well, like multiple moments that honestly flowed really, really well. Like that double spinning tornado DDT, like where she Beautiful. went onto the ropes. It was just amazing. Um, but one thing that I really loved about this match was like before anything even got started, like we've had moments at WrestleMania and other shows where, you know, the bell will ring and you'll just have two competitors like stare at one another, look at the crowd, soak in the moment. This felt like a completely different version of that to watch like Bianca and Sasha just kind of like look across the ring at one another, look around the crowd. And you saw them like almost break down in tears at the the significance of the moment there. And I don't know, for me, like same way that we talked about with Cesaro earlier, like that's just one of those moments that digs through like the callousness that you build up as like a, a longtime wrestling fan to these things and really just kind of uh, massages the, the emotional center there at the core. There's, there's also a conversation there of regarding uh, people's perception of what arrogance and confidence is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a lot of people, uh, uh, whether or not they realize it, uh, the idea of you know, passion, for example, is is considered great for for certain people, but it's considered for black people are considered to be angry. Um, confidence is considered great for for certain people, but if you're too confident, especially for black, you're arrogant. Uh, and Sasha gets that thrown at her a lot, uh, which makes she's the fucking baddest bitch in there. Like, like <laughs> what what the fuck? Like she's she's doing better than all your boys. Drew McIntyre can go out there and say he's the fucking best. No one, no one bats an eye. Sasha Banks says that there's an issue. So there's a tweet that I love, and it shows the difference. Uh, and it was borderline character and borderline, you could tell in real life. But Bianca is sort of overcome with feelings. Because uh, if, if you guys have read, she went up to Naomi and said, Naomi, I don't feel like I deserve this. This should be you. And Naomi said, girl, no, it should be you. And when you win, we all win. Mm. And so you could see a sense of like her just kind of being overwhelmed. Yes, as a character, like being how far she's come, but like as a person being like, holy shit, I've only been doing this for five years and look at where I am. And on the contradiction, you could see like Sasha tearing up a little bit, but you could see a sort of vindication in her face of like, of course I'm the fucking main event of WrestleMania. Of course I'm the first black person to do this. Of course I'm the first black woman to do this because I'm the fucking boss, because she's that fucking damn good. And that's not arrogance, that's fucking confidence and confidence where it should be because she knows how good she is and she knows she deserves it. When she left for that few couple of months and people were like, she took her ball and ran. No one said that to Steve Austin. They were pretty cool about that. Um, But that's because she knew her fucking worth and there was nothing wrong with knowing your worth. And now look what she did. She came back, she gave us, the first ever heel turn with a wig reveal, um, <laughs> which, was good, 
which will go down in history. And she's had some of the best matches that anyone, anyone in WWE has had in that past year and a half, period. And made history every single time. Both of these women deserve that spot. And they're both the EST of WWE because it is insane what they have been doing for this company uh, in that small amount of time. Uh, and then the match fucking rocked. Yes, <laughs> so- <laughs> the match, yes, definitely did. And the post-match was something amazing as well. Like all these different moments that you saw kind of either showing up on on social media or like on the broadcast themselves. Like, you know, you had Sasha down at, by the barricade, like trying to like hide her um, self while Bianca had her moment, but just, you see the joy on her face of like watching Bianca celebrate and knowing like what they just accomplished there. Bianca winning the match and immediately yelling for her mom at ringside. Bianca's dad, dad almost jumping over the barricade. <laughs> the barricade. Like, and then of course Montez coming out and celebrating with his wife in the ring and you know, like carrying her back behind the curtain, like carrying her in his arms, just like and she's so fucking proud of her, uh, yeah. as he should be. There's also a picture of so Sasha's uh Sasha's brother is autistic, and um she always comments that uh he loves to see me lose. He loves wrestling, but loves to see me lose. And there's a picture of Bianca, like, sitting on the barricade, holding up the belt. Sasha's mom is right there, and she's kind of just looking away. And then her brother is just, like, like pointing at Bianca, like, thumbs up, like, smiling ear to ear. And I'm just like, that is amazing to me. Um, Yeah, I just, I think... You know, and it, it, like it was, in, it was on People Magazine, Sports Illustrated. It was, everyone was talking about this monumental moment. And this is another perfect example of why representation matters. Mm-hmm. And like, again, I'm not trying to knock John Moxley or Nick Gage, like, but look at how monumentals and how the whole world was responding to a moment like this. Like that, it, that's her story. Um, and I, was so I, I immediately rewatched the match afterwards, but I was just so like overcome with wrestling because there's so much, especially because for black women uh, in queer wrestling, just because it's like black women, uh, black women get a lot of the things that a lot of queer fans sort of want in wrestling. I want the glitz, I want the glamour, I want the drama, I want the music, I want the character, I want everything. Um, and black women just get it and they give it to us every single time. So I felt like it was a win for queer people. I felt like it was a win for women. I felt it was a win for black people. I felt like it was a win for a lot of people who really love professional wrestling. And I've said it before, I love professional wrestling, but sometimes professional wrestling does not love me back as a person. Mm. Um, And this kind of felt like, well, shit, today, professional wrestling loved me back as a person. And that's, that's all I needed right now. Uh, I, you know, I've only felt that way a handful of times. Uh, one, even just being Kofi's win a couple of years ago at WrestleMania. I've, I've felt that way a handful of times at indie shows where I'm just sort of like, oh my God, this like all looks like me. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, it's uh, wrestling. Wrestling can give you great moments and give you great stories. And I... I think this will, history aside, uh, the structure 
um, the story, the narrative of this match will go down as top five WrestleMania main events of all time, as it should. No, I completely agree. And I think that's the, I, I don't think I could say anything better there. I think that's a perfect place to leave it because it, it's, it's just a, a moment that's going to last forever. And, and what a moment it was. Um, so I guess, you know, any final takeaways from night one of WrestleMania 37 for you? Do this two nights every single time, please. Hell yes. Like, it's so much easier to consume. Um, make it a little bit more. I mean, technically, I would make it just a little bit more affordable for you to buy two. Where it's like, it's like it makes more sense for you to go to both nights. Um, I think that the best thing about this is that it actually does allow for more talent to have um, did their best throughout the year to get recognized in the way that they should. And I think in doing two nights, it allows for people who would have normally not been able to be in that spot, uh, be able to showcase what they can do. Uh, I love Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns is great, but that man has made it at like six minutes now. <laughs> like he's going to main it. If it's a single night, he's made it. That's yeah. just what it is. Um, and what has happened now is we've been able to, to sort of, get these new and interesting stories and new history that we just we haven't gotten before in wrestling and it's a perfect example of something that we always ask for wwe we always ask for wrestling is to change with the times and develop um this is a perfect example of changing with the times and doing something new and interesting and um yeah i think and i also think the past three manias like while the build hasn't been the best i think it's the best that Vince McMahon has like actually given us what we wanted like we complain a lot about not getting what we want but like we got our Kofi win we got our Sasha win like we got our women's main event we got two now yeah we've got like edge in the scene we've got Taylor Bryan in these main events we've got tag team wrestling being a, a, a big part of it we're getting We've, we've, they figured out what popular culture was and that Bat Bunny is someone that's, you know, new and, and interesting. And, you know, he didn't write a song called Bodies Hit the Floor in 2003. Like, <laughs> we, we've come so far. You know, we've had queer representation on the big screen multiple times. And it's not something they hound into us. But y'all forget that there are multiple queer people who are on these shows, like, just doing it. Like, they're, they're, they're not perfect. We're not going to talk about their what goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. A, that's a that's a podcast in itself. But um, they're not perfect in the stories that they deliver. But I feel like at WrestleMania the past couple of years, they have been kind of delivering every single thing that we really, really asked them to throughout the year. Um, and it's important to criticize WWE. It's extremely important because it's equivalent of criticizing Disney, you know, like they're the top dog. So it's like your responsibility to be better. Um, But at the same time, it's important to give them the pat on the back when they do the right thing. And um, night one is a perfect example of them doing the right thing. Love it. Love it. Completely agree. Well, Darnell, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat about the the show. Let everybody know where they can find you online. Uh, You can Follow me on my new Twitter, because the old one got suspended, at FabulousDNell. Uh, what's my name today? I think my name is Hayabusi. 
Uh, yep, that checks out. <laughs> Uh, and then, um, if you want to see pretty pictures of me, you can follow my Instagram at Dinolicious, uh, follow at Progressive Mothership at PW Mothership or at the Queer Nerd at, at the Queer Nerd with a Z. Um, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Darnell. Thank you so much for having me on. My thanks once again to Darnell for, for coming on the show and taking the time to, to chat all about night one of WrestleMania 37 with me. And another special shout out and thank you to my cat Max for making a cameo on the video call between myself and Darnell that, that he called out in the audio there. It was just too cute to cut out. I, I, I just couldn't edit it out. It was just so good. Um, nice little moment there. Um, regardless, though, always enjoy the chance to talk to Darnell definitely check out the pro wrestling mothership podcast as well as the queer nerd podcast and anything else that he has going on Darnell's great love him to death um but yeah that's gonna wrap night number one of WrestleMania 37 here uh, on the show but night number two is gonna be covered in the next episode in your feed here with uh, Patches Chance from Daily DDT. Make sure you go back and check out the other two shows that we have launched today. You know, talking all things independent pro wrestling for WrestleMania week with Max Zaleski uh, from Without a Cause, and of course Poyo Del Mar coming on to chat uh, to chat about the firsthand experience of being at Evie's Big Gay Brunch and all of the, the, the moments and messages that came out of that event as well. Come back next week whenever we're going to be talking about GCW's For the Culture, Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl Shit, and sitting down with independent pro wrestler Leo London. Uh, it's going to be a, another big batch of shows for everyone to listen to, and then maybe we'll slow down as we head into the end of April. Who knows? We'll see how uh my if my hairs have gone gray and at all from from putting out all these hours of content is this what david bixenspan and chris zellner feel like whenever they get done recording uh between the sheets i need to know i really need to know <laughs> um anyway that's going to do it for us here on on this episode uh but until next time y'all stay messy wash your hands wear your mask and go listen to some bad bunny Everybody's ready to die. Everybody's ready to die. If they didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge, see me to do.